How many of you would guess what is the number one reason for car breakdowns, according to AAA? Reason cars break down. Somebody heard flat tires. That would be my guess. Gas. Running out of gas. Can you believe that? When I read that, I thought, I mean, you've got a a gauge, first of all. And then all the new ones, they have these things. They beep, 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 low fuel, low fuel. Every time you start your car, low fuel, low fuel. How in the world do you miss all those warnings? Now, believe it or not, I have never run out of gas. But once... When we were traveling to Uvalde, heading to the deer camp, I'm not going to mention his name. He was driving my old blue truck. But Troy Castile (laughs) was driving my truck. And I said, Troy, this diesel that sucks that diesel up, we need to stop. We can make it. We can make it a little further, a little further. Boy, it's getting low. And I'd never really run out, so I didn't know where on the gauge it would be. And finally, it got to where we, we were looking for a station, and there were none. And so, oh my goodness. And then so he pulls off, and he's driving. I wished I would have been driving. But he's driving, and the car cuts out as we exit. He starts it up again. And we, we have to, we're coming to a red light and there's a filling station there. I said, just run it, man. Just run it. You know, we cannot push this blue truck. And so we just glide through the light and everybody just honking at us and we just pull, just, just barely made it to the gas pump. So technically speaking, I've never run out of gas, but we really did run out of gas. And really, The parable we're going to talk about today has to do with procrastination, putting off things. How many of you procrastinate? So it is a tendency that we all have. And Jesus, we're going to be studying a lot of parables. And each of these parables are stories that Jesus told that make it understandable. He had a point. He had a story he wanted to tell. He had a principle he wanted to communicate. And so he told a parable in a way or a story that related to their life that they could understand, and it communicated a truth. And so we're going to look at the parables of Jesus, and the one we want to talk about today is really a powerful, sobering parable. It's from Matthew 25. In the parable of the ten bridesmaids or ten virgins. What is the context of this parable? Well, it's a, it's a Jewish wedding. That was something pretty familiar. And to explain the context, and we're going to read it here in a minute, but to explain the context, what would happen was that the wedding feast would always take place at night. And so what would happen is the bridesmaids... Uh, and sometimes it refers to the ten virgins or ten bridesmaids, 
they would leave and they would come to the bride's house. And they would work with her, help her, help her get ready. And they're waiting for the bridegroom to come. And he would come. And then what would happen was they would lead a procession through town. And there would be those who would have torches or lights who would lead the way. And since it's night and dark, they would need that light. And that was the goal or the, the responsibility of these bridesmaids. They had to provide the light to lead the procession. Then they would go to the groom's house. And he's been spending all this time getting the house ready. And then they would begin the feast. And it would sometimes go on for days. That's the context. Let's read it. It's in Matthew chapter 25. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, five were wise. Five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourself. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too. Must keep watch, for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. Powerful and sobering message. And what I want us to do is to understand everything Jesus was trying to say to us. And what's interesting, there's a lot of things that are similar in each of these ten bridesmaids. They all received an invitation. They all accepted the invitation. They all brought lamps. They all were excited to meet the bridegroom with the bride. But when the crisis came, the difference between the two came. And you know, that's the way it is in our life. When the crisis hits... The real difference about what's on the inside is revealed. So I want us to look at four primary principles that I think God wants to speak to us through this parable. The first one is very obvious, and that is we need to be ready to meet Jesus. Now, some say this is a parable that talks about his second return. Well, it could be, but I want you to understand that you need to be ready to meet Jesus whether you go to meet him because of your death or he comes back 
we still need to be ready to meet Jesus. We have to be ready at all times. And so the idea is not about what is the context, whether it's the second coming or us dying and going to meet the Lord. The point is we have to be ready. And every day, every moment, we have to be ready. And so a little bit helps to understand because if you read chapter 24 of Matthew, you would understand more why he's telling this parable. Remember, the beginning of chapter 24, they, they begin to talk about Jesus. When is all this end time stuff going to begin? You know, when is this going to happen? And he began to tell story after story, parable after parable. He began to explain. And everything that he said in chapter 24 had to do with you need to be ready. Look at a couple of them. Just in Matthew 24, verse 43 and 44, it it was the end of one of the parables. He said, understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when least expected. So again, very similar to what he's talking about in chapter 25. The other passage, and that is the same chapter, but 48 through 51 says, But what if the servant is evil, thinking my master won't be back for a while? And he begins beating the other servant, parting and getting drunk. The master will return unannounced and unexpected. And he'll cut the servant to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. And that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So the context... You have to be ready. Now, what's interesting is that although he greatly emphasized the fact that you had to be ready, he wanted a parable that gave a little more detail. He wasn't satisfied with everything that he had said. And so now he gives us what I consider to be an amazing parable of the ten bridesmaids. And in this, he does something he doesn't do on all the others. He he shows a stark difference between five and five. Now, I've often wondered, what what is he doing with five? Is he saying 50% of the church is going to be ready and 50% is not? I, I don't think he's, I hope he's not using that percentage. But I will say this, he's definitely speaking this to the church. Because this is to the people who are invited to the wedding feast. This is not talking to the world. This is speaking to the church. So this is a message to you and I as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's saying some are ready And some are not. And as you read through the different translations, it's kind of interesting because they all ten brought lamps. But five of them, it says, brought an extra flask or extra oil. So ten of them brought their lamps and in those lamps there was some oil. But when they went to sleep, 
what happened? They five ran out. Well, I guess you could say probably all of them ran out. But the five who were wise, who were prepared, they had an extra flask of oil. And they could take that oil, redo their lamps, put more oil in there, and they were ready to go. So I think it's something that we have to face in our hearts. And it's kind of interesting because procrastination is something we all do because we think we have plenty of time. We think, I'm not going to get caught. I'm not going to be caught unaware. It's not going to happen to me. And yet Jesus makes the point that you're either ready and prepared or you're not. Up until this point, they all look the same. Right? I mean, you couldn't tell any difference between the ten until this critical moment when they say the bridegroom is coming. He's on his way. I see him. Up until that point, everybody was fine. Everybody was alive. They all fell asleep. But the critical difference came when the bridegroom came and they recognized they didn't have enough. So I want to say to you, He is speaking to you. You need to be ready to meet Jesus. How many have lost loved ones so quickly? I mean, mothers, fathers, husbands, children. In a moment's notice, without warning, we've lost loved ones. It's happened to me. It's happened to you. You think you have all the time in the world, but you don't. The suddenness is overwhelming. And if he's saying anything, he's saying, you need to be ready to meet Jesus. This is not one of those things that you can put off. Second thing I want to say to you, and that is procrastination can be deadly. In this case, it was deadly because the five that were foolish and didn't have enough oil, they were told by the five wise ones, the five wise bridesmaids said, listen, we don't have enough oil for us and you. You're going to have to go get it where you're supposed to get it. And so we can't share with you. And they went to get oil and they came back. And they knocked on the door and they said, Lord, Lord, open the door. We want to come in. We want to enjoy the wedding feast. And amazingly, the bridegroom said, I don't know you. I don't know you. And it points that there's a, there's a deadly problem that we have. Now, I, we'll call it procrastination, but I'm going to call it something different. And that is quenching the spirit. You see, when God speaks to our heart and you don't listen and you don't heed the voice of God saying to do something, then that is quenching the Holy Spirit. And what does that do? What does that 
accomplish. Well, I'll tell you what, it sears our conscience. It dulls our hearing. It causes our spiritual eardrums to thicken. And we become less and less able to hear the voice of God. And so the deadly nature of procrastination is that it is a searing of our conscience. Sometimes we laugh at procrastination, but in this case, you can't laugh at it. It costs them everything. The very relationship they desired was lost. They wanted to be in the wedding feast. They could not. And the bridegroom said, I don't even know you. And so it says to us, it should say to us, be careful when quenching the Spirit. Let's take it a little broader. What if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about the way you treat your husband or your wife or your children? What if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you in some area of your life? And I know the context here is we need to be ready for Jesus. But you know, the Holy Spirit is speaking to us about a lot of areas. And to quench the Spirit is to say to the Holy Spirit, I don't have time to listen to you, Holy Spirit. If you're participating in pornography and the Holy Spirit is saying, you need to lay that down. It is impure and it is destroying your life. If the Holy Spirit is speaking that to you, to say, no, I'm I'm not going to pay attention to that. You are quenching the Spirit and you are searing your conscience and causing your ears to become dull hearing the voice of God. It really doesn't matter what it is. Whatever you're participating in that displeases God. You know, here's the thing. Not only does sin displease God, sin destroys us. You know, God is not up there looking at things and trying to think of things to to keep us from having fun. He keeps us and speaks to us about things that destroy us. And so I encourage you. I exhort you. Hear the voice of God while he's speaking to you. And I've seen this in practical application. The longer you walk in sin and the longer you quench the spirit, the more hardened your heart becomes and the more difficult it is to hear the voice of God. We dig a hole that gets harder to get out of. Now, thank be to God, through repentance, we can have forgiveness of sin and God can cleanse us of our sin and we can begin a new road at any point. That's the good news. But you cannot continue to quench the Spirit. You have to, at some point, listen. You know, I believe God is working in every person's life, drawing, and I said this earlier, I believe he's working in our life, and he draws us to himself. I'm amazed how God is working in our circumstances. And we may think these things are just, you know, happening. They just happen to happen, but I want to tell you, those circumstances have a purpose and a plan. He's working in those circumstances to make you hungry for him. Think about the prodigal son. The prodigal son, we might 
That might be one of the parables we talk about. But God caused a famine in the land where the prodigal son was just so that that one son would return back to the father. Caused a famine in an entire land just to bring that one son back to the father. You mean God would do that? Absolutely he would. It's amazing what God would do to draw you back to him. It's amazing. Third thing I want us to see, and that is, you can meet Jesus at any time. And I know we said this earlier. You can meet Jesus at any time. It can happen at any time. You know, one question has come up. I've heard this before, and that is, was it selfish of the five wise bridesmaids when they said, no, we can't share any oil. Some might say, hold it. Isn't a Christian supposed to share? That's not the point of this story. (laughs) When you're telling a parable, you mold that parable to match what you're trying to say. And I think it was not by chance that these five wise bridesmaids said, no, we can't share our oil with you. I believe it was God's way of saying to you that when it comes to being spiritually ready, you can't borrow spiritual things from someone else. You are not going to be able to depend upon your mama or your daddy. You're not going to be able to say, oh, well, uh, Miriam, I had a Sunday school teacher, Lord, that was really knew God. Uh, my daddy really is a spiritual man. None of that matters. The reason they said, no, we can't share oil with you is because God wants you to know that you have to come to Jesus personally. And know him personally. And that's not something you can borrow from someone else. It's not something you can obtain from someone else. It's something you have to come to Jesus yourself. Now, I know some want to try and take the analogy, and I think they go a little too far with this. They try and say the oil here is the Holy Spirit. That doesn't fit because the Holy Spirit is not something you run out of. He's talking about You are ready to meet Jesus or you're not ready to meet Jesus. You're listening to the Holy Spirit and Him drawing you or you're not listening. You are ready to meet Him or you're not ready to meet Him. And the lack of oil is a picture that someone has said, I'm going to delay, I'm going to procrastinate, I'm going to put this off. But when the crisis comes, folks, you're not going to be able to get this from somebody else. It doesn't matter how spiritual your mama or your daddy was. You have to come to Jesus personally. You have to come to him and say, Lord, I need you. And I'm hungry for you. And I personally come to you and turn my life over to you. It is a personal thing. And you have to know and desire and hunger 
for that relationship with Jesus. What happens when an individual loses their hunger for God? It's a dangerous place. Think about it. It is a dangerous place to be in. You stop listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. You start listening to your flesh, to your pride. And the Holy Spirit's speaking. He's drawing us to Him at all times. He is drawing us to Him. But you're either listening or not listening. And you have to say, yes, Lord. I want to be ready. And every moment... I'd like to be able to tell you, you have a guaranteed time here on the, in this earth, but that's not true. You can, you can go to meet Jesus at any time. That's just the reality of it. We can be called home. Our graduation can happen a lot faster than we think. And you may say, well, you know, when I get sick... Then I'll get right. What if it happens quickly? How many people has it happened quickly and you haven't had time? So I want to encourage you. Now, I I will say this. You have a brush with death. That's a way of waking you up. It will. It'll shake you up and wake you up and maybe give you that opportunity to get right with God. But what if you don't have just a brush with death? What if it happens just like that. And you were planning on getting right with God. But what if you didn't have that opportunity? The parable he is saying here is you have to be ready. And you can meet Jesus at any time. And the fourth thing I think that has to be spoken, and again, it's kind of powerful, it's, it's definitely sobering, and that is our procrastination can reveal that we don't know Jesus. It exposes a truth that we really haven't wanted to face. What if we've just been faking it? What if we fooled ourselves? Maybe we fooled all our friends. You fooled everybody maybe, but God. But our procrastination, our keep, keep putting it off, keep putting it off, that reveals something. It did here. It revealed what the bridegroom said. I don't know you. Now that phrase should ring a bell. It's not the first time that was used in in Matthew. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 7 and see that context. Very similar. Matthew chapter 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. 
performed many miracles in your name. We went to church. I gave $4 one time. I did this one time. I did this. I did that. But I will reply, and this is Jesus talking, but I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. And the reason they break God's laws is because they don't know the Lord. He's not preaching works here. He's simply saying, when you don't know him, you don't walk in his ways. So again... Here's this warning, strong warning. And the, the picture here is of someone very similar to the ten bridesmaids. The picture here is on the outside, everybody looks fine. On the outside, the ones he's referring to, they're doing miracles. They're praying for people. They're coming to church. They're impressing people, how spiritual they are. They probably carry a Bible. It probably is a great big Bible. You know how the spiritual people, you know, they got these gigantic things that they could beat you over the head if they had to, you know. Big Bible. So they're looking to impress people. But when it comes down to it, on Judgment Day, everything is revealed. And Jesus loves you so much that he wants to speak to you before the bridegroom comes. He wants to speak to you before judgment day arrives. You know, I decided one part of maturity is learning what is really important in life and, what, and learning what is trivial and unimportant. And I've decided so many times we spend our lives pursuing things that are not worth anything. Unimportant. Just, they don't matter. And every day, every day, you've got to make a decision of what's really important and what doesn't. You know, think about it. Some things in your home, they're not all that important whether you wash the dishes tonight or in the morning. Doesn't matter. They do need to get washed. But sometimes you can put it off. So that kind of procrastination is not all that big a deal. But when it comes to spiritual things, it's important. You have to differentiate. You know, and I find in marriage, you've got to learn in marriage what's really important. And for the things that are unimportant, let it go. Don't make a big thing out of something that's little. You know, we experienced this. We came back from our vacation on uh, Thursday and uh, I was asking my wife, I said, you know, where's the batteries for the camera? And uh, I'd given her a camera, and I got some extra batteries. And she said, well, I don't know where it is, you know. And well, I said, it's supposed to be in this pouch where you put all the batteries. She said, well, it's not in there. I said, well, where is it? 
She said, I don't know where it is. I'm tired. I don't feel like dealing with this. And the, the, there's this part of me that wanted to give her a lecture <laughs> on the importance of putting the same thing in the same place every time. And if we would just do that, we wouldn't have this problem. But thanks be to Jesus, I didn't say it. I held back. And instead, I said, you know, if you lost it, we'll get another one. Doesn't matter. Five or ten dollars. It really doesn't matter. And, you know, in life, that's. And we could have had a knockdown drag out right there over where you're supposed to put the battery. But, you know, the truth of it is, I've done the same thing. I put things in the wrong place. I've forgotten to put things where they're supposed to be. I'm not like this person that does it every perfect every time. And so we have to give grace and mercy. But it is a learning what's important and what's not important. And this parable is supposed to remind us that if things are not all important, for heaven's sake, just let it go. But if it's a spiritual reality, a spiritual truth, a need to be ready to meet God, don't put that off. I want you to read with me this passage in Ephesians, the powerful passage that talks about making the most of every day. Verse 10 through 20, I know it's 10 verses, but it's powerful. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It's shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So... Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. In other words, listen. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your heart, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. All that has to do with make the most of every day you have and focus on the things that are truly important. Make the most of every day you have. The time you have with your loved ones, treasure it. If you have your mama and your daddy, I want to tell you, treasure that. I've lost both my mom and my dad. I'd give anything to have my mom and dad back. If you have your mom and dad, treasure them. Take every moment. Make the most of it. If you love somebody, tell them you love them. And you need to be ready to meet Jesus. 
in this room, there are some who have their oil, meaning you're ready to meet Jesus. You have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You're ready. And if God called you home this afternoon, you would be ready. But there are others. This parable is speaking to you. You're like one of those foolish bridesmaids that you put it off. You put it off. You keep putting it off. And perhaps it reveals there's no relationship. The great news I have for you today, you can have that relationship. You can have it. It's by faith in Jesus Christ. By surrendering your heart and your life to Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. You can be ready. You can be prepared for that day when he calls you home or he comes back. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me. All over this room. The truth is, you are either ready to meet Jesus or you're not. And maybe we all look alike. Maybe we all talk alike. We've all been invited to the feast. We all have lamps that look like we're ready. But some of you, Jesus called today, you would not be ready. So here you have the opportunity. You can have a true relationship with God through Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. You can have that today. If you're in this room today, and deep in your heart, you're not ready. Or you may, maybe you're not sure. You need to be sure. If you know you need to be ready and you're not, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Anybody? Anybody? Yes. Yes. Some people here, yes. You need to be ready. You need to be ready. This is not something that you can put off for another day. You need to be ready today. I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask everyone to stand to their feet. We're going to sing this song we sang earlier, The More I Seek Him, The More I Love Him. And as they sing that, I'm going to ask you to make your way down here, all over this room. If you raise your hand, or even if you didn't raise your hand, and you want to be ready, you want to make sure you have that relationship, I'm going to ask you to make your way quickly out of your chair. Come down here. I'm going to pray with you. Would you come? If you're not ready, would you come? Just say, yes, I want to be ready. Yes, thank you. Anybody else? Several people raised their hand. Yes, come on. Yes. Come on, young man. Yes, thank you. Anybody else? You need the oil. Yes, come on. You need the oil of the Holy Spirit. You need to know that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life. Come on. 
don't delay. Don't put this off and say, I'm going to do this later. Let's do this today. If you're not sure, I invite you, I encourage you to make sure that you are ready to meet Jesus today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for your heart. Thank you for your courage to respond to the voice of God. Just like the voice of the Holy Spirit is speaking. And he's saying, today, you need to be ready. I want to say this. When we pray, we're going to pray. When we pray, we're going to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart and give you a relationship with God. I just want you to understand this. When we pray this, God comes to live inside of you, gives you a new heart. He forgives you of all of your sin. You came with sin, you leave with no sin. It's amazing. (laughs) What a deal. (laughs) Free. He washes away all of your sin. But here's the thing. You will be ready. You will be ready. And if God called you home this afternoon or tomorrow or next week, you would be ready. You would be like the five wise bridesmaids who made themselves ready. So this is what I'm going to ask each of you to do. I'm going to ask you, if you would, as the people of God, to stretch out your hand. Believe with me. We're going to pray, and I'm going to ask you down here at the front, maybe anyone else who wants to pray with me, we're going to pray out loud. We're going to make sure that you're ready to meet Jesus. Let's pray out loud. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. I claim the blood of Jesus as the forgiveness of my sin. Wash away all of my sin, Lord, by the blood. Come into my heart. Holy Spirit, come into my life and take over. Give me a new heart, a new life. I want to be ready. To meet you at any time. In the name of Jesus, I am born again. I will never be the same. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Praise your Lord.